You're listening to the LA Confidential Podcast with Actually and Bud. My name is Bud. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> That's right. This, this is the iZombie Podcast, the Robin and Steph fan podcast about the CW show iZombie. My name is Robin, and I'm here with Graham Norris, the writer of this week's episode, My Really Fair Lady. Welcome back to the show, Graham. Thank you for having me. So uh, are you a fan of LA Confidential? Oh, yes, I am. Actually, I, I actually really adore that movie. It's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, and there was a, a, a joke written in uh, there that we had to get rid of uh, because of the unfortunate and well-documented PR collapse of one of the lead actors of that film. Oh, <laughs> that, yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, and so if you notice that Clive's line seems a hair abruptly cut off, it is because a joke that was funny a year ago became an incredibly poor taste okay. in the intervening <laughs> time. So, <laughs> Don't need to say any more than that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't even notice actually. So, oh, good. Yeah. Um, so, I, I guess first uh, we can get into uh, some stuff with Clive. I, I wanted to say kudos to you guys for not rehashing Live and Major with oh, Clive and Basio by having the open relationship thing. Were, were, you, were you guys con- uh, consciously trying not to go back to that well again? So to speak. <laughs> See, yeah, so to speak. Right. And it's, uh, you'll find that it's almost impossible not to make well puns. That's something well, the room you know. Yeah, it just it keeps. Hey. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, well, I think with you know Clive and Basio as characters are just in a, a different place in their lives than Liv and Major. You know, and there's just there's a maturity and a poise to them. I think uh, you know, not like the other characters are immature, but I think they've always kind of felt like the grown-ups of the show in some mm-hmm. ways. And, uh, and, and it really was like less about like, let's deliberately contrast this and more like just trying to follow what felt like the truth of those characters to a place where it would go. And, uh, yeah, and it's been, was really interesting and really, you know, it's just, it's engaged to work on this thing and to try to figure out how you present, oh, here's Clive talking to this other woman who, how do we feel about this? It's a lot trickier if she seems nice, you know, like yeah. uh, if she seemed like some, you know, some random bimbo out to snag Clive, it's a much easier <laughs> sort of moral issue for the uh, audience to think about. But uh, yeah, I guess I, I, I've, it's, that was a lot of fun to think about. I was so glad that uh, Michelle wasn't just, you know, going to be like, oh, whatever, you know, I just want to sleep yeah, right. with this guy. She, she's <laughs> yeah, a sure. decent person, you know, <laughs> not that, you know, <laughs> non-decent people just want to sleep with each other, but, uh, but I just, I don't know. She's, she seems like a cool character and uh, I hope to see more of her. Yeah, that's uh, I uh, without saying anything one way or the other. Yeah. I also think that she's a really uh, like cool character, and that actress did a uh, very nice job. I think she was in some stuff in the uh, Berlanti verse prior to being on this. Uh, has right. some uh, fans that she brings with her, but uh, right. yeah, I, it was also nice to deal with the you know it's a squirmy subject, the topic of uh, you know like open relationships and talking about them in a mature way and being able to have somebody who can say like, I respect that that's what you're doing, but it is not for me as opposed to like shaming the people involved for being in, in something deviant or something like that. It was nice to be able to, to represent that. Yeah. I personally, I mean, it's beyond me, honestly. I, I personally don't know how I could possibly be a part of an open relationship and completely trust the other person or anything like that. Oh, but yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. You know, my, yeah. I'm not dating a zombie. So <laughs> that's uh, as far as you know. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes, <Yeah>, true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I do feel bad. I mean, when we saw Basio uh, with the other guy in Brainless in Seattle, I, we immediately started talking about, oh, maybe it's an open relationship. But then we we discussed how, oh, maybe Clive wouldn't be down with that. So I think it's cool to know that you know he loves her enough to try this out. But in the end, it doesn't seem like he's a big fan of it. Yeah, and that's like it's so poignant, right? Because because mm-hmm. of how little Clive seems like the sort of dude who'd be up for this. It's like, yeah, that's right. He is the sort of dude who would not really be very up for this, but that's how much he cares about her to give this a uh, a good faith effort. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh but yeah, it's I feel very bad for them. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's uh, that last shot of uh, where you know when he and Clyde, or he and Michelle finish their conversation. It mixes through the two-way mirror, and you see Bazio watching them. That was uh, Rob's touch of like, oh, Bazio should be watching it, and we all in the room just went like, oh, oh, devastating. That was great. And we're also debating on what Kavanaugh's intentions may be. You know, he was a little handsy when we first saw him with Michelle. He had his hand on her shoulders. You know, it might have been kind of a mentor thing. Uh, but he also seemed very interested in what was going on with Clive and Michelle. And yes, it strides that line, doesn't it? Is it like, is it prurient or is it just like, well, wouldn't you be interested? <laughs> you <know? Yeah. laughs> it's pretty juicy. Yeah. Right? Uh, so, yeah, I'm really hoping we haven't had like a good uh, Clive and Basio discussion post when, you know, the rest of us found out about the open relationship. So I'm hoping that's coming soon. Uh, yeah, obviously you can't tell me so. <laughs> yeah. And strike my next question: Are they headed for a breakup? We're probably not allowed to talk about that, <laughs> right? And <laughs> next episode, they shoot each other and both die. There you go. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't <laughs> want to know this. Oh no, I blew it. Oh god, <laughs> I, I, I have a big sign here. Don't tell them that Clive and Bosnia kill each other. The next episode, no, screw it. I up. know too much. I'm going to burn my computer so this doesn't go out into the world. <laughs> Okay, so how about we talk about uh, Blaine and Angus now? Um, hmm. So Blaine finally discovered that his father was out of the well, and it looks like Dino is in some trouble. Ooh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> uh, that is uh, not a place you want to be. That when uh, Blaine has discovered that you are the, uh, if you know, thinking that you might be the Judas who yanked this guy out, it's mm-hmm. uh, troublesome stuff. Yeah, never trust a guy that's already switched sides. I mean, he's essentially playing, you know, last man standing. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what's the Bogart movie? I forget. Um, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, I, 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 I immediately go to the 90s classic Last Man Standing. So sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. Um, I'm assuming um, he's got a pretty thick skull because I, I thought he got killed by Angus after Angus came out of the well. Yeah, you know, I do think that came off a little confusing. Angus did bonk him uh, yeah. real good, but uh, – um, but he I, did not finish him off mm-hmm. and uh, has uh, – and, of course, uh, he wouldn't want to eat Dino's brains, Dino being a zombie. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you wouldn't, he wouldn't be feasting on him the way he chows down on that uh, preacher uh, later in the episode. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's that funny th- – you know, and it's uh, – it, it is – I think it could be uh, – that was a little uh, tricky to follow when you're watching. But it's also just kind of hilarious to imagine Dino getting up and being like, well, geez, uh, what do I do now? <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess I'm not getting that money. Yeah. I guess I'll just go back. <laughs> um, so I actually, you know, I've been reading your Twitter a bit, and I read that some people thought Blaine would know Angus was out of the well, but you said something about how you did your homework with that. <laughs> yeah, well, we talked about like, someone, I forget who, brought it up in the room of just like, well, you know, wouldn't he be able to tell if he wasn't in there? And uh, I was like, well, there's one way to know for sure. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I did my own homework is actually a bit of an exaggeration. I had a friend who lives in a more rural area go yeah. to. I was like, can you if someone was in there, would you even know? You know, like, uh, you know, that's and they went and reported back that like, nope, it's not, you know, it's not you know, clear Hawaiian ocean. It's, you know, mm-hmm. dark, murky. And this is Seattle. So it's always foggy. This is not like yeah. a bright and sunny place. So, yeah. And just like. Blaine, all of that stuff about how him just crowing to Angus down there with Angus not being in there is just such a – I hope that uh, people were able to get past the what might have felt like the logical thing of wouldn't you be able to see because just the like oh, dramatic irony of Blaine sitting there thinking he's on top of the world and he's actually literally talking to nothing <laughs> is uh, – it feels like a psychologically insightful <laughs> image yeah. about Blaine. Yeah. Yeah, I I actually wonder if he really does have a Scrooge McDuck room, and uh, if so, how soon can we see this place? <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> was, but goodness, don't we all dream? We all dream of things like that. That'd be great. Um, I did have a question about Angus. Did, so is I don't know how much you can tell me, but is he a believer or is he playing a part now? Is he doing well, the same thing that Blaine was doing at the beginning of the last season, just playing a part because that you know put him in a better position? Um, I will say uh, that you're asking exactly the right questions because like and that that is something that we in the room uh, discussed really ad nauseum. But that certainly at this point, the impossibility for Blaine of knowing is a, uh, you know, is definite like that's I think that's about where it's supposed to be. I don't think that you you would be able to I think you could make a case either way right now about what's going on with Angus and just the uh, wonderful 
just desserts for Blaine of that he now has to go through life being the sort of person who has to suspect that people are like amnesia revenging him. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, right? you know the, the thief is always worried someone's going to steal his stuff. Like I feel like it's uh, yeah, it's interesting for Blaine to have to consider that somebody might be doing that to him or even almost more frighteningly that this is actually just who his father is now. Yeah. Uh, and he really did slip into the, the role. I wonder if uh, how much of a, a, a background Angus had and maybe a Catholic upbringing or something, you know, where he recited those things. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. McDonough, that is a, you know, a sort of a Irish Catholic kind of last name. So I think there might be something to that. Yeah. Scottish. And now he's got as his right hand man, or at least in that scene, uh, Tucker, who yeah. uh, hated zombies before. Um <laughs> So yeah, he's had an interesting arc too. I was going to ask about the line that he dropped in in uh, Romero's. What would one wicked wanton want? To, where, where did that come? I, I, that had to have been like inspired by something else. I, I wasn't sure. Well, in uh, so in I want to say like episode two or something like that. Somewhere earlier in this season, we saw Preacher Angus going off, and he's yeah. you know, uh, and he's got a lot of this very. Uh, alliterative kind of uh, speech and a lot of uh, water well imagery and his sort of cracked theology that he's got going on. And uh, uh, so for me there, it was like we wanted to sort of drop this you know, it's like sort of have like, you know, it's 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 fun, hopefully, for the audience to have this thing of like, oh, Blaine doesn't realize that this guy is babbling like this. He's, this guy's babbling because he's been listening to Blaine's father. Yeah. You know, that's uh, it's so we're one step ahead of him there. And so really, that was just me trying to have fun, trying to uh, see if I could one up Rob's crazy preacher speak from <laughs> earlier episodes to be like, can I have a whole sentence where everything is all alliteration with the letter W? Wow. <laughs> and, yeah. And for Tucker, the actor who plays him. Uh, had to say that, and that line does make grammatical sense, but it uh, yeah. barely <laughs> just hanging on by its fingernails. Yeah, because yeah, I was able to um, uh, when Angus preached, uh, like in the alleyway after they took down the dealers, yeah. I was able to uh, trace that to like a, a couple of verses in the Bible, and I was, I was I was trying to do the same with this line, but you know they don't have anything about wontons. <laughs> No, 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 they do not. Uh, however, there are stuff about uh, wantons. I yeah. think that you would have it. Yeah, but like, yeah, wanton free, the Bible, at least in, in so much. Uh, I'm Jewish. What do I know? Yeah. yeah, they could be breaking wantons. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I did want to ask a quick thing about Major. I, was there anything sort of like maybe cut or, you know, that you had in there? That kind of resolved things between Major and Liv, Ravi, and Peyton after, you know, what happened the week before. It just seemed like it was – everything was hunky-dory. I mean Liv kind of said something like, you know, I'm saving the world, you know, and didn't really want to talk to him. But besides <laughs> that, he was all about, oh, I'll just send a send a funny little candid to uh, to the to Peyton and Liv of you, Ravi, you know. And, you know, Major was just standing there when Mama Leone got killed. I, was, I wasn't sure if there was anything cut or – Maybe that's there moments before. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, um, well, I think uh, the character for whom that is the most uh, impactful of, you know, for major having a sort of poisoning relationships, certainly with Liv, mm. like uh, for Ravi, I think Ravi in general has a more I don't know if uh, warm is the word, but I think that he is more cognizant of that, like, this is a complicated issue. And yeah. certainly the death of Mama Leone is like it's awful and it's and I found it really wrenching uh, when we saw it for the first time. I was like, geez, this yeah. is uh, really like it's very sad, but that it's not like Fillmore Graves doesn't have some good points, um, you know, and uh, that Major is in a very difficult situation in terms of like, well, this is these are his principles and these are the people who he loves who really disagree with him. What am I going to do? So I think, uh, yeah, so it's uh you know, is it maybe a, a push that they'd be like quite that uh, chill when they're having breakfast the next morning? Yeah, maybe a touch. But like, uh, I think that mainly it would be it's it's with Liv that you're going to see the immediate fallout of it. And Peyton, it's like three in the morning and she got an incomprehensible text. So I'm not surprised that their <laughs> yes. conversation is a little yeah off field. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure. We've been calling that uh, that guillotine. Uh, I've been calling it the watermelon smasher because it's something between right. Gallagher and Game of Thrones. That <laughs> yes. Gallagher came out. Uh, Sarah Saidi, I don't know if you've ever gotten to speak with her on your pod, but she's a writer on the show. Uh, she called it the Monster Mash, the which monster. I thought was amazing. <laughs> That's even better. 
That's uh, and just and it was the joke that any time there's a plot with the guillotine that we would play that song in the uh, <laughs> just like just moving things going on that that's, and that song is if you haven't listened to it in a while it's even more ridiculous than you remember it's uh, super weird. <laughs> that's, uh, there's an amazing YouTube clip of the original performer performing it on like the Ed Sullivan show and it is just uh, I I recommend it to all of your uh, to all of your listeners to for a couple of minutes of a really surreal what the hell was in the water in the early 1960s uh, time right? <laughs> all right we'll have to check that out <laughs> yeah. uh okay so getting to uh uh Ravi and Peyton as you know yeah. some people call Pavi I call Sh- Charles Crobarty <laughs> Ah, so, oh, that's uh, good. I haven't heard that. That's great. Oh, okay. I'm trying to get it out there. It's not catching on. I think Pavi's too simple. You know, Charl Krabarti is even better. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so Robbie takes it upon himself to help Peyton find this dog, Ajax, who, because of a bus accident, is out there on the streets alone. Maybe he was left at home alone and got out or whatever. I'm just wondering, are you guys trying to make up for minor? <laughs> Ah, yeah. Well, that's certainly uh, Miner is uh, an emotionally divisive <laughs> character here. And the the room uh, – because, uh, you know, Rob is uh, – and of course, I'm sure your listeners know I say Rob. I mean Rob Thomas, brilliant mm-hmm. showrunner of the show, that uh, um, he is a little bit merciless sometimes with yeah. the audience's emotions <laughs> and uh, and that we in the room just know that we feel that pain. We're in there and he's like, and then he leaves Miner on the bus. And we're like, he can't. And it's like, <laughs> yes, he must. And the sad song will play and everyone will cry. Yep. Yes. Yes. This is what we're in charge. But, uh, yeah, with, uh, well, first of all, Ajax, uh, was the name of my, uh, of my beloved childhood doggy. Uh, and so it's very nice to get to put him, uh, you know, his namesake in here. And originally we were even trying to get a dog that was the same breed, which is the sort of, you know, Vanity thing you can try to do if you wrote the TV episode. <laughs> what, was, what was the breed? This was a beagle, right? In the show. No, so yeah, this is a beagle. Uh, Ajax was a Wheaton Terrier, ah. uh, which are sort of a big, fluffy potato sort of looking <laughs> creatures. And uh, and he was a little sweetheart. And uh, so it was uh, nice to get to have his name in here. And also, it's just it felt this is you know this season because of the change in the sort of status quo of New Seattle. I, it's, I think it's it's really important for us to get to occasionally have some wins, you know, yeah. like uh, to like have these like I think, you know, and Peyton basically says as much about why she cares about it. And I think that rings true. It's hard to just keep up, you know, lacing up each day and going to work when if you think about what Peyton's job is, uh, this is something when the original the first draft of the script before we had to start cutting it down for, uh, you know, for production was just like every day all day it's people who are there asking her for help and they the real issue is they're trapped in seattle and she can't do anything to help them about that yeah and that just uh, how miserable that would be so yeah it was nice that like and what makes everybody feel better than not just finding the dog but also getting the big kiss at the end and uh uh, so that felt like a nice uh and it was it's nice because i i think I, i i wrote one of their their the, like a couple seasons ago, an episode where they had a big fight, like, don't you see the only thing stopping this from happening is you and all that stuff was in my episode. So now I'm, I'm, I feel uh, like I'm up on, I think I've got two of these under my belt now. So uh, I'm a <laughs> house leader and I zombie for a uh, Charles Crabarty uh, shipping. Yeah. So is Rob going to rip them apart in the next episode? Is that what's <laughs> no, no words, not saying a thing that uh, I will say, Oh man, on the, this, so this was an episode that when I left to go, uh, and forgive me if I'm telling the, the listeners something they know already. Mm-hmm. Generally, the way it works at uh, most TV shows is you, as a whole writer's room, led by the showrunner, kind of uh, break, which means come up with the plot of an episode mm-hmm. uh, down to a pretty granular scene-by-scene kind of basis. And then the individual writer goes off and puts words, you know, like the dialogue, to yeah. the story. And uh, mine was insanely overstuffed. Uh, there was so much story going on in there. And the first draft was like 80 pages long and they're supposed to be 60. You know, it was uh, really long. But there was more stuff in this uh, heroin brain scavenger hunt uh, that of them getting to like there's a scene of those could be of the them on the phone of him trying to uh, remember everything he saw from his vision and them like yelling at each other as they tried to, it was just, uh, I was, I was really excited about it. And, uh, and they'll, now it'll, they'll never see the light of day. Uh, didn't uh, even get filmed. Gone. No. Yeah. Cause some of that stuff, what is that one? You gotta like, uh, 
uh, Scott Graham, who's one of the high-level producers on the show, is an overseas production in Canada, and he uh, sends a sternly worded email. Uh, <laughs> so he's, he's, a, he's a lovely, gentle man, but it's also like, all right, uh, we cannot have them be in an exploding bus. And, yes. and, uh, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. This to, bus is affecting so many people, yet we have not seen the bus yet. So. <laughs> I know. That's, that's uh, yes. That's, uh, you can thank uh, uh, the reality of money. Yeah, because I see that some, something must have been cut because it almost felt like, um, you know, I, I mean, it's we get a lot of stuff to put in one episode. So, you know, it's good to cut to the chase a little bit. And did we really need to see, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Peyton finding the dog? You know, just cut to the scene where Peyton's sitting there with the dog and the because you get it, yeah, yeah. You know, we get and it's a and it's a really good. Uh, it's actually a really good writing exercise to sort of look at, like, okay, what do you actually need? Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, it's uh, yeah, it helps you maybe next time to not wind up in a situation where you need to <laughs> lot put forth of your episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, oh, speaking of lo- uh, lopping, uh, the uh, what a hilarious food. Uh, scene for for Robbie. Oh yes, love it. <laughs> I wasn't sure if many people caught that it was like a, almost like a satire of what Liv got, like these extravagant yes. things Liv does every week. But oh, Robin, this is music to my to my soul. Uh, <laughs> in the script, the I, in the stage directions, I wrote uh, Ravi, We that we now have a humorously foreshortened food montage. Like uh, you know, that's that was the entire like notion. Just, and I didn't know if it was completely clear, but I thought that Tessa, the director, did a very nice job of like oh, yeah. shooting it in a way that's reminiscent of the full food montages. And yeah, it's, I, I'm glad you caught that. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. All right. So we should start talking about some musical brain. That's next to my notes. So oh, yes. uh, the episode made the New York Times. I know. Oh, my goodness. As a, uh, I'm from the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I have uh, parents who are fr- who are. Uh, Sort of, you know, liberal NPR listening, New York Times worshipping sorts, and this was a very big deal in the North House. Oh, yeah. I am so wound up there. <laughs> that was nice to see. I was happy to see it too. I wasn't. I wasn't a big fan of them saying, "Well, if you just want to watch the rent spoof, it's in the first couple of minutes." Yes. Like, come on, just tell them to watch the episode. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Right. It's how hard is that? Come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Um, uh, but that was really cool. Yeah. Totally. Um, so, are you a rent fan? Or were there any other musicals you were thinking of? I am. Uh, so this season, uh, a lot of us on the show had the amazing good fortune to get to work on The Brain that was really very tailor-made to our interests. Mm. And uh, yeah, I know you had uh, Bob Dearden on uh, yes. a week or two ago talking about hockey. And, you know, he is our resident uh, surly Canadian. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that is uh, – and for me, I I am a big musical theater fan. When uh, there's an iZombie karaoke night at the end of the season, I, uh, I'm almost exclusively banging out show tunes. And, uh, That's so awesome. And when I was a kid, this was my scene. And uh, so to get to write that sort of uh, the show must go on kind of waiting for Guffman kind of brain as, like, as instead of the sort of like, you know, we had that method actor a couple of seasons ago, uh, you know, sort of more hoity toity, fancy pants actor. But this is that like plucky show must go on thing that is very near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, while neither Rose nor Rachel Bloom probably have any idea, they were both largely playing me for a lot of this episode. <laughs> But it was uh, yeah, that was so much fun to get to do that, and uh, and as you know, I, to get to work with uh, Rachel Bloom some on that was pretty freaking cool. Oh yeah, totally. Um, I, I was wondering actually if there was uh, if there was more Rachel Bloom because I saw a uh, you know I always look at the uh, promo pictures before the episode, and one of them had her on stage with the other girl in the big white wig that looked like a zombie, uh, yes. not in the mustache and goatee. But like, mm-hmm. it looked like she was singing something, but maybe... Yeah, we wound up having to nix one, you know, and unfortunately, I can't remember why. It wasn't, certainly it was because of the performance. Uh, the woman who was uh, in the blonde wig, uh, I forgive me, I forget her name, but she's like, a, got some serious theater credits and she could sing the freaking house down. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's a shame because it was, uh, it was, I don't know if you're familiar with Rent, but it was for the duet uh, Take Me or Leave Me, which is oh, this yes. great two-woman power ballad. And I wrote these parody lyrics that had to do with like uh you know it's like uh it was basically about like how you know you can't have sex with a zombie without turning into a zombie instead of uh you know and it was uh and it was really fun and i should probably tweet them or something just so people could enjoy because i was so proud of oh, them and, 
Yeah. yeah. It actually does exist. You know, they filmed that. But I think it was just like, I don't remember if it was for rhythm or if it was something that's, uh, but it was, it was something that was just sort of agonized over, especially because all the actors involved in that did such a marvelous job. Uh-huh. Uh, and just what a kick, you know, it was fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, my next question actually was like, how many different zombie parody songs did you end up coming up with? Just kind of firing off in the room, maybe not like completely writing a song, but uh... oh, everybody just cleared out and let me do this. Uh, this was uh, I was like, I, I, I think I'm not stealing credit for something here, but yeah, like I, uh, mm-hmm. of just like it would be how funny if it were, you know, what what would musical theater brain be doing? And it was like it's rent. But it's, you know, it, instead of HIV and zombie, that's the, you know, the sh- and that I, I know every word to rent. And uh, I was like, I'm going to go off in my room. And I think I, I also tweeted about this. I'm friends with a comedian named uh, Ricky Lindholm, who is more known as being part of Garfunkel and Oates. Yeah. And the uh, Comedy Central show, Another Period, she is uh, her show as well. Um, she's hilarious. And yes. she is a, uh, you know, and Garfunkel and Oates is all about really funny songs. And people should uh, check them out if they like uh, comedy that is sung. They're hilarious and really sharp, too. Oh, and, she, uh, and when my oh. uh, when my wife was pregnant, I constantly <laughs> was following around singing pregnant women are smug. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Everyone knows it, but nobody yes. says it because they're pregnant. Because <laughs> they're pregnant. That's, yeah, it's, they're great. And to get to, and, you know, she lives about 10 minutes from the iZombie writer's offices. And I just uh, went over there a couple of afternoons and was like, tell me everything you know about how to be a hilarious songwriter. And she uh, uh, banged out all sorts of really funny things and really oh, helped. Wow. So the two of us sitting there, and she was a rent head too. We met in theater camp, uh, you know, like 15 years ago or something like that. Uh-huh. And we, uh, so it was a very, uh, uh, one of those things where you're just like, I'm getting paid to do this. This is amazing. <laughs> right? This is this is really astounding. Oh, that's so. Uh, can we get Ricky Lindholm on iZombie? I mean, is that a possibility? Well, I, I would love to. I mean, I, I, hopefully the moment will uh, appear. It is always, uh, you know, another period has kept her very busy, and Comedy Central has uh, very crazy uh, shooting schedules and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They tend to be. Uh, it can be a little chaotic in terms of like, okay, we got to do this stuff right now. We need to rewrite that stuff right now. And uh, so, but who knows? Maybe we'll be able to get her if uh, we are so fortunate to come back for another rodeo. Uh, that we will. Uh, I've, I've been advocating for this for a while, so maybe it'll finally happen. That'd be pretty oh, cool. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so the sexual harassment seminar that was okay. hilarious. Oh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Was what there any sort of uh, musical that inspired the whole the part where Liv is echoing Clive's words in song? So that was so one in the room we decided that because you know for any brain part of it it's like okay how does this actually manifest itself mm-hmm. you know what are we seeing what are we what's the clear specific thing we can do and someone not me came up with this notion that she should, I think might have even been Rob maybe Diane just like uh, uh-huh. uh like she should just be singing little music to herself you know like those people who aren't like. <laughs> uncomfortable at all just singing loudly in public you know <laughs> yes. that's uh and because why wouldn't everybody want to hear their wonderful voice you know that's uh and for me i uh i feel like that that's uh it sounds a little bit like uh okay oh there's i think it's yeah there was i think maybe it's like the the slow song uh, salt lake hasiti and book of mormon kind of has a sort of like t- okay. tune kind of like a that but like just sort of it just seemed like this like gentle little sweet love ballad <laughs> Um, would just be so funny when poor Clive is standing there just having the most awkward thing happen. And, uh, and all God bless, uh, Raul's cackle, uh, after she did <laughs> yeah. that, that freaking killed me. I thought he did such a good job because that's what I, the stage direction was like. Ravi gives a weird train spotting <laughs> cackle and it was like, well, we'll see what he does. And then it's like, Oh, yep. There it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh- yeah, it's funny. Uh, when she was singing, it kind of reminded me of uh, even Cowgirls Get the Black and Blues. Like that could have yeah. been a song that she sang up on stage with her guitar. We're building an album, maybe. Yeah. We could have a whole thing here before too long. Oh, I Zombie Musical. Yeah. It is my dream. And, and like, you know, half the cast, more than half the cast, like, can really sing. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, Blaine is an accomplished lounge singer. We all know that by now. Yeah. And as you see with Rose, uh, like, just, like, she's got this, like, lovely, you know, sort of, like, just, yeah, her voice is beautiful. And it's, uh, it's really nice. And obviously, of course, uh, Ali Michalka yeah. has uh, made a whole uh, second career out of her singing voice. And, uh, yeah, so why not? Why not use what you got, right? I'm so sad Allie's not touring anywhere near Vermont. <laughs> but, uh, maybe someday. You must be used to that, though, right? Yeah, Vermont yeah, nothing comes here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so, uh, how did you get away with some of the lines that Johnny Frost said in the, uh, when he was, uh, reporting? I mean, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you, you're familiar with this. I think it's the South Park guys have some story about how they deliberately put incredibly awful things in their drafts of the script that they send to, uh, the clearance people so that then they can like get rid of those things and put in stuff that would have been cut if they had started with it. You know, uh, you know, if you want $10, ask for 20 kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so there was a couple that pr- that did walk quite a line, I would say. That, Streak uh, of white in her hair stands guess, out yeah, quite yeah, a yeah. bit. We, I, I, I will say I was a little surprised. But, I mean, obviously, you can sort of have a zombie interpretation. Yeah, of what exactly. That, it's, uh, it that, it uh, makes sense. And, I, and frankly, I have no idea what other interpretation anyone could have. That seems like the only possible thing yeah, that you've Of course. Right. And, and uh, she yeah, has a but, literal chamber of secrets at home, right? Right. Exactly. She's <laughs> actually got a little chamber of secrets. Uh, but, like, yeah, it is uh, – It that felt like a little bit of a, a, a high wire act where, like – because obviously, as, you know, the criminal is very clear, sexual harassment is very, very – like, it's real and serious and, yeah. like, you know, and shouldn't be, you know, dealt with uh, – you know, irreverently or to make it feel like that the people being uh, teased are people who are like legitimate, have legitimate grievances. But uh, those, uh, but Darren, Johnny Frost is so freaking funny. And Rose as like, just it's being more about like her theater kid brain and her Mm -hmm. sort of taking control of this thing that it felt like that we were in a space where it wasn't going to be uh, ugly. Oh, absolutely. It would have been cringeworthy if the roles were reversed literally in the little improv act. Because we've seen Johnny act like such a skis ball the last few years, right, it was and now great he's to see. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> live, get him. Yeah. Well, and to that building to that thing of him like legitimately exploding and having <laughs> Liv be like that—that that was what she was going for. Like, and it's actually, if you think, she's actually a very good director in this episode. She like she does it there, she does it with the heist, and she really inspires people to dig deep. <laughs> Uh, okay, I, I wrote that another line that I was wondering what the inspiration was. For there's no one at work I'd rather see than the most splendiferous, his beard, beard most, most vigorous, vigorous. <laughs> Dr. Ravi, and then jazz hands. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that's uh, Well, so for me, I thought it was part of it was really fun and also just because I'm a musical theater nerd was that for basically all of the little songs uh-huh. to be kind of just like, like that she shouldn't just be into one type of musical, you know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, to that's sort of like a – you know, more of your like uh, talk song, you know, uh, you know, Music Man or even like My Fair Lady or some of those things like that where you're, it's more about talk, you have the talk singing in the middle of it. And that was, uh, we have a marvelous music supervisor on the show who recorded uh, when I provided lyrics, sort of uh, sample music tracks for Rose and Rachel to listen to, to sort of get the, you know, so they could have, and, uh, and there was the one of the ones where I was like, I, I need to interject and change this a little bit. Is I was like, she has to talk his beard is most vigorous. <laughs> that's, right. that's not to be sung. That is to be spoken ideally with a jaunty gesture of some kind. And, uh, and I had to throw that uh, rose on the set. Um, you know, right after we finished blocking it while they were setting up the lighting. And I was like, Oh gosh, I always feel kind of bad having to say something like that right before they're about to shoot. And she with, uh, has lots of musical theater bones herself and was just like immediately like, Oh yes, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> and then she did that. And it's just like, oh yeah, it's uh, I, I, we're very lucky to have her. She's so good at this. Oh, it's it's great to know that you kind of pitched it to her before, right before filming, because it really looks like she's having fun doing that. Yeah, that one particular just, part. Yeah. Well, she gets it. You know, like that's. I think it's easier. I mean, it's part of. I think why uh, it was inspired uh, for the EPs to sort of steer the writers towards getting to write brains that are close to themselves. Mm-hmm. That like you just when you know more about it, like you know, I wrote the. Uh, like, for example, the episode where she was on Gambling Brain, mm-hmm. uh, Max Wager. And, uh, you know, and I learned all about it. And I watched a bunch of gambling movies and went and did some in-person research at various places. But, like, I don't really know that world. You know, that's uh, – you do your best to try to – you know, but, like, you just find better jokes and more <laughs> true moments if it's really something that's uh, true to your heart. And uh, so I've been racking my brains, uh, so to speak, ever since. <laughs> okay, what other, like, stuff am I really into that would make a good brain that's not just, like – grammar nerd i mean like it's, about, it's like not as fun as musical theater brain oh gosh yeah speaking of max wager i loved the the shout out to the barber right in the first episode yeah. of the season. i was like oh man he's still out there <laughs> that actor was wonderful oh, Steve uh, Williams I, is great and did you watch him on uh, the leftovers yes yes oh. 
holy hell. Like, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. So uh, that'd be really wonderful if we would be able to have him back at some point. He's mm-hmm. exceptional. I was like, Ooh, yeah. And it's funny, you know, after the gates came down, I even uh, spent uh, some time with Bob on the podcast, like walking through all these characters we've seen. It's like, okay, so is he dead? Is she dead? Is he a zombie? <laughs> of course, he couldn't tell me anything, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, so the last thing I have to talk about is uh, the whole renegade thing. So first yeah. off, I mean, speaking of mu- musicals, supervisor, I'm really waiting for Rob Thomas to deliver on the stick song renegade. I'm hoping that comes right. up, <laughs> but I know Maybe it might I be a bit that. on the nose. We'll yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Liv has assumed the role of renegade, yeah. um, and we have Levon here uh, filming. Um, a documentary. I mean, what are what are his plans with this documentary? It seems really dangerous. Yeah. So this is a key thing, and it will be uh, discussed more. This is. Uh, I actually I mentioned this on Twitter. If people saw that scene, that nighttime scene between him and Liv, uh, yes, this is where what yeah, it was where he had a, a lengthy monologue about sort of what brought him into Mama Leone's circle and uh, his hopes for the documentary. And Daniel Bonjour, the actor. Uh, and possessor of a really what a wonderful name that is, Daniel yeah. Bonjour. Uh, <laughs> that uh, that he he just crushed it so marvelously. It was his, the audition was that piece, and he just like blew everybody away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that like the it is incredibly dangerous, absolutely. And without sort of going into too much detail, I don't think there's anything too spoilery about sort of uh, observing that the argument against what Renegade is doing is based on these very sort of like, uh, you know, sort of big statistical concepts about like, there's not enough brains, period, Mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Whereas what Mama Leone and this crew are up to, that when you actually put a human face or a zombie face to what they are doing, to seeing like a sick person who's not going to die or a mom be reunited with her kid, that it's very hard to just dismiss them. And that the value of that, I guess the word would be as propaganda, although that's got a negative connotation, but like as, you know, just as essentially like putting, putting a, putting its best face forward could really be something that could impact hearts and minds uh, and be the sort of thing that maybe could stop you from getting nuked or to convince some people through pro film or graves to be less so, et cetera, that kind of thing. I mean, if he shoots it like uh, Tessa Blake shot uh, the, the scratching scene at the end, I mean, <laughs> that was yeah, beautiful. right. That was beautiful. Yeah, she, uh, yeah Tessa, Tessa's the real deal. She's really excellent. And uh, yeah, that's definitely supposed to be part of the notion. And I think, uh, and that's also part of why I think like, you know, some people I imagine were wondering, like, well, okay, Liv just sort of showed up here. Why would she move into this position of renegade? Why not Levon, who was, you know, clearly sort of higher up the ranks, you know, and already involved in some ways. Yeah. Uh, and the other people, of course, are uh, humans. Uh, yeah. So they cannot be the scratchers. But like uh, for but that he has a really important job that he is doing, you know, like that's uh, and to, to be able to. Yeah. So there's a real space for Liv to slide in there and that we like I think what Levon is going for that it's sort of an unusual thing to sort of think about someone making a documentary of something going on like this. But that if you actually sort of try to put yourself in the imaginative space of what it would be like to live there and to be in, like right around all this intense life or death stuff. Uh, that actually, it would, I think it's a, I think it's a really interesting angle. I was really psyched when we learned that that was sort of the direction we would be taking the character. Yeah, because it goes, I mean, it goes from like embedded reporters in a war zone, yeah. even goes back as far as I can think of, you know, like you know, cowboys in the West and the people that would follow around and write tales about them. I mean, because Liv yeah. is turning into this, you know, legendary figure if she's taking on this role of renegade. That's right. And she even, they even, you know, a nice job renegade at the end, sort of official, that there's power in like, you know, that while at the the beginning of the episode, there's a real, well, it feels disrespectful for someone to step into that name, that that was her, that was Mama Leone's name and she's gone. But that like, there's actually a lot of power in like, you know, the next person stepping up and assuming that mantle to help it become something that's larger than life to something that can figure in the popular imagination for all the people who are suffering through this stuff. Yeah, she's Kaiser Soze. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But, you know, like a nice, cute one. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there were some great throwbacks. Uh, uh, I mean, especially um, at the end where she says her, you know, she's talking about uh, how you know, she's got like a purpose again. You know, this is this is a, a choice she's got to make and now she's going to be the one to make it. I mean, it's great to see 
um, live in the center of it all again. Yeah. That's, and and I, honestly, I, I, I said this to uh, Bob Dearden, but um, the poster for season three, the propaganda poster, could have worked so well for this season as well because – Yeah. She in some does, ways, it would be more apt here. Yeah. Yeah. And zombies unite. Yeah. Um, but you know uh, about that poster – I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, that um, we actually learned – so that got a – I thought this just a sort of public service announcement. We learned in the iZombie Room about this. So you know that's sort of that image you're referring to is sort of riffing on the famous sort of Che Guevara yeah. uh, posters that uh, apparently in a lot of uh, countries, Che Guevara is viewed extremely negatively and as a sort of like humanitarian crisis. And uh, the marvelous writer uh, Gloria calderon Kellett who was on the first season of iZombie and has now gone on to be the wildly successful showrunner of the One Day at a Time reboot, which is wonderful. Uh, She is of Cuban descent and sort of uh, told us, like, actually, in Cuba, we like that guy's terrible. (laughs) And uh, so we had no idea that we were like, you know, because we didn't make that image. The promotional department of the Warner Brothers or the CW made it. And uh, and so it was like, oh. Maybe we should go with a different image than this one. If this is oh, uh, wow. yeah, it turns out to really upset people, so I had no idea. That's uh, that's uh, so. Either way, I was sharing an interesting thing that I learned. Learn learn a little bit about history there. But like, uh, yeah. yeah, your point though that yes, this is it's so exciting for us to find like an organic way to put Liv, who just by virtue of the show's conceit is like you know if she's bouncing her personality around so much you want to it's it can be hard sometimes to locate her and what her right. thing is and what she cares about and like. With this, like, Fillmore Graves opposition between her and Major, like, I just, uh, I was, this was, to me, my, my favorite, uh, not just episode, but season of the show to work on, where it's just such a, like, rich, complex situation where everybody can have different points of view yeah. and strong wants and needs and take big steps to get them. And that if you want to do the work, you can put yourself in any of their positions, except perhaps Angus and Blaine. But, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, you got to make some money. <laughs> well, well, well. Yeah, what you got to do? A guy's got to do a guy's you, gotta, he's, you know, Angus is just helping the homeless, right? The, the starving. It's beautiful. Nothing it's to beautiful. do with his own personal <laughs> revenge yeah. or anything like that. Oh, no. Um, so, yeah, there, um, that that closing scene, I thought that was a great uh, throwback to the, the pilot, you know, like uh, the closing monologue of that, how she – Hadn't quite been able to figure out what to do with herself, and now this yeah. is this is what she's going to be. She's going to help people, and uh, yeah. she's now yeah rededicated. Um, so I don't know if you um, had thought about that before, but um, there was other like Levon hanging off the uh, the truck. Uh, I was like, oh, that's that was live in Cape Town, you know. <laughs> Right, right, yeah. No, there's uh, it's but there's a couple things that I don't know if we go so far as to say they're Easter eggs, I, uh, but like yeah, that's someone they get observed at some point about like, uh, and you want to do that check about like, okay, well, is this does it feel like we're repeating ourselves or does it feel fun or you know is oh, it just or is yeah. yeah and uh, yeah I think that stuff is a is a kick and uh, my mm-hmm. gosh what a pain in the butt too it turns out to it's it'd be very dangerous to actually do that that was you know, <laughs> yeah yeah the underside of one of those things oh they all have bars under there right you can sit there safely no problem at oh, all that's <laughs> easy absolutely that's uh but like that was something about figuring out how to. Uh, because, you know, there's a, that was, a, I believe that's an act out. Uh, you know, that's the industry word for like, we go to commercial after yeah. we reveal him down there. Uh, so which means that you need to be writing this on the page in a way where it, you're helping create a sense of climax to take you out into the commercial and uh, figuring out how to do it where like, oh, originally we had the truck driving through the gate after we saw him for that nice shot you could get of like, oh, there goes the truck through the gate and it closes behind them and now they're trapped in there. But it's like, that means that Daniel has to actually be clinging to a moving truck (laughs) or a stunt person. And that's like just, you just added seven hours and a whole bunch of money to your shoot time if you do that. Oh, geez. Um, And of course the truck is a Euphrates truck. So that was another great (laughs) callback to like that business Uh is still running. Still there. That's... uh, (laughs) Um, I think I mentioned this on Twitter as well, but my my husband, uh, that's his joke. Uh, he uh, was a writer on the first season of the show. That's not where we met. We were already were together when we were there. But uh, that's we were like, because you always you can't just call something an Amazon truck or whatever. If <laughs> yeah. you're, you, know, you have to come up with your own thing. And you freight ease is so good. That's uh, <laughs> listener. That's why I married him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we really like the, uh, three mama devotees, uh, are, are they going to be back or I don't know, I guess maybe we can't ask that, but you know, hopefully they'll be uh, back. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that, uh, that we, uh, yeah, I, I, believe, I, I don't think I'm really giving anything. Yeah. Certainly that part of the world will continue to be explored. Why don't we say that? That's, I, uh, 
and we thought all of them uh, did a really good job. Obviously, we all are familiar with Francis Capra, who yes. watched Veronica Mars, and I thought he did great. And the way that he read the stage direction about his character line, uh, like, like Pitbull? Like, that was, uh, <laughs> uh, that was, uh, that was a Rob joke as well. Uh, that's, uh, and I thought that Francis delivered brilliantly. But I, was, I didn't know... Uh, Melissa, or the guy who played Stan, prior to seeing their work in here, although I suppose apparently Melissa has done a bunch of stuff in Canada, and I thought they both like did a really nice job. Yes. Uh, Melissa's character uh, is named Suki, mm-hmm. um, and I have a uh, uh, keeping with the theme of naming things in this after <laughs> people in my own life, like Ajax the dog. I have a kick-ass aunt uh, who is uh, this like marvelous. Uh, my, she's a marvelous aunt and she happens to be a lesbian and Suki mm-hmm. is our sort of like uh, kick-ass lesbian lady here on the show. <laughs> and I was like, I got to name her Suki and I got a really happy uh, message from my aunt after she heard it. <laughs> she was like, oh! <laughs> so, yeah, very funny. Uh, it, yeah, and such a funny scene between her and Francis there when she, he's she's got to recite dialogue that he's feeding to her <laughs> right. and how much he's getting a kick out of it. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then her her ad lib, of course, freaking patriarchy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were good. Real presence on uh, all of like uh, that. They just communicate a sense of like it can be really tough sometimes to find young actors who uh, can give a sense of like they've seen some stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like a battle hardened or weathered because everybody you know can tend to look like a glossy model who stepped out of a catalog, you know. Yeah. That's uh, and I thought that there was a sense with the. Uh, and certainly Francis, I think that's been a lot yeah. of his careers. He brings a really good sense of like, you know, of, of toughness and grit to what he yeah. does. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to say when um, Liv was pushing him on the line readings, yeah. suddenly Weevil popped out there for a moment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I well, love Weevil. Blink, you know, that she just like stayed right with it and wasn't even a little afraid. And yeah. it was just like, uh, even though it's like, yes, good. That's, that's the good stuff. And even like when we first meet his character, he, he mentions, I don't know, I can't, don't have the line, but he mentioned something about Chase Graves. And I was like, oh man, Weevil's still not yeah. a fan of Logan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's nice to get to do that. And it really, and it's uh, not just that, you know, I think uh, fans can get a kick out of it, but like, they really were uh, like it, it does seem I wasn't a part of Veronica Mars. Uh, I was in, I was in school at the time when it was on. I was too young. Uh, but like uh, that they were that was an exceptionally tight family, I think, uh, yeah. for as TV stuff goes. And uh, that there's a sort of joy when uh, they get to come back and do some of this stuff and uh, for Rob to have them and Diane. So it's really it's just a. I, I think I really did kind of hit the jackpot in terms of what I got to have in this episode oh, between. Yeah. Yeah, the musical theater and the sexual harassment seminar and here's Francis Capra and we're going to do a heist instead of a murder of the week and like it's just like uh, it was really I think the other writers were probably pretty pissed off frankly this <laughs> <laughs> is not fair I don't know every one of these episodes have been just great this has been a great season um, uh, so I have a couple of questions from uh, listener Please. Don who got in his questions um, he says uh, would it be fair to say that at this point that Liv has no idea how bad the brain shortage is? She certainly is aware that zombies are going hungry and that brains are being black marketed, but it's conceivable that she might think that getting rid of the corruption will solve the problem. And that doesn't appear to be the case. Continued immigration will eventually break the system down, in my opinion, and rooting out the corruption will only postpone the day it all falls down. So I guess he's wondering about, you know, a lot about uh, the, the morality of scratching more zombies. Absolutely. Scratching more people to be zombies. I think Don uh, gives really articulate voice to exactly what Fillmore Graves' position would be, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, that. And when you hear it, like, it's like, that's complete. It makes total sense. Uh, I think the counter, I would uh, refer to what Mama Leone said to Chase last in the previous episode and to what uh, uh, all of the various things about like, what could really change the fates of zombies in Seattle is if the whole country got on board with sending them brains, you know, or something like yeah. that, you know, that's and having a, uh, a nation or a planet of people who look at Seattle with fear and loathing that you're going to be doomed regardless. And that the uh, positive PR of helping people who really deserve and need it, uh, along with things like, as Don points out, cutting out the corruption that like, you know, that maybe that's how you actually build something for the future, uh, whether that's correct or not. I think <laughs> that's one of the fun things about it is like, I mean, who knows? They, they both uh, they 
each of them has the goal of of essentially saving lives at the end of the day and yeah. uh and there's no way to know which one's right or wrong until you know history lets us know mm-hmm. and uh yeah his last question here is uh why isn't fillmore graves freezing some zombies in order to reduce the demand for brains yeah it's an interesting idea I've, i saw some people online talking about that and uh and i think part of it is that like no one wants that you know i mean like uh you know that you it's I mean, it's just, it's a different thing if you're talking about people who have committed crimes or what have you. But like, uh, but if just like, oh, we're in trouble and we need to save people here, how about eight thousand of you say goodbye to everyone you know, love, and we'll wake you up when we feel like it. Yeah. You know, like it's just I think it's a non-starter, and that it would be, and the zombie population would turn on Fillmore Graves if you went that route. And then if you're talking about criminals, you know, that's uh, I think you know, and Chase talks early on about that, you know, the notion of the the monster mash as a deterrent. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether or not you believe that that would be effective as a deterrent, that it is certainly, uh, you know, there. I'm sure there are plenty of people who would believe that it would be, you know, that's uh, and I'm sure that some of the people who are committing more minor crimes are, in fact, getting frozen. You know what I mean? Like that's uh, if there's a zombie shoplifter out there. Perhaps they're in the freeze. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody breaking into one of those uh, those vending machines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and that, like, and really, it's like the notion that freezing. Yeah, the place where I feel like that the people who are wondering about this that I would sort of, yeah, just gently point out is that it's a really big deal to be frozen. You know, like uh, that the consequences to your life, if we're talking about doing it on the scale where it would really impact the brain thing, would involve just like would be ripping thousands of families apart. Yeah, I got you. Know, yeah. It's hard to decide, which is why it's so great to see these different sides and you can weigh against them or and for them equally. Yeah. yeah. What do you think is right? Which side would you – yeah, like because uh, it is obviously your your tendency when you watch the show is probably going to drift more towards Mama Leone and Liv's side of things just because mm-hmm. they're, they're not just the central – she's not just the central character but also that they're the feel-good side. You know, that's the we're going to help the mom who wants to get back in touch with her kid and who doesn't want to do that. But like that there is something to be said for the grim, pragmatic, nuts and bolts, real politic side of things. And uh, yeah, I I uh, I get such a kick out of getting to work on it. People talk about network television is not being able to have any shades of gray. And I'm like, that's uh, this is like I think it's the premise for this season really has it's it's pretty complicated. Right. Uh, yeah. I, oh, uh, I did want to say that uh, on the side of Fillmore Graves, I mean, Chase Graves is also very handsome. So oh, yes. you can oh, also be uh, weighed against that, you know. Don't have to tell me. My goodness. That's uh, <laughs> there. Uh, it is. It's well, it is hilarious. Just the never ending uh, <laughs> parade of these like handsome military guys on the show. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but also. We're just judging on handsome. I mean, Levon's no slouch either. Oh, it's yeah. not like uh, it's not like we're lacking on the uh, you know on the other side of things. Well, he had his obligatory yes, but, shirtless scene and uh, oh, struck. So. Within two seconds, that was so funny. <laughs> I, I actually didn't know that was happening. I don't think that was in the script. That's uh, anyway, what I was say. Like, oh, oh, there we went. There it was. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, uh, I suppose if I had a CW ready uh, torso myself, that I would that maybe I wouldn't be, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, sure. For right. sure. <laughs> I've done all this work. Why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you really uh, pay much attention to our, our, our Twitter account. We're running a iZombie recurring characters tournament bracket. <laughs> oh, I think I saw something about that. Oh, that what a fun idea. That's uh, how's how's it going? Well, we, we uh, well, let's see. Well, Chase is obliterating Gabriel today. Uh, well, I mean, well, these Stone are... just barely edged out. Uh, oh gosh, I forgot who we beat. But yeah, Brant and uh, Mr. Boss were big winners yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh, but we're uh, we're working, as, and it's just recurring characters, not anybody in the title credits. So right, because you know, Blaine would win every or Liv would win everything. So right. I was going to ask you. I mean, you've been a part of creating like all these characters. If I had to uh, uh, ask you, who might be your final four? Like, who would be? Must- oh man, I, I hate to put you on the spot, but <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, that's uh, I. Well, the the immediate ones that pop to mind mm-hmm. are, uh, I mean, like certainly Donnie would have to be a part of any final <laughs> yep. four. I mean, like uh, that he is. Uh, I mean, and you know, not to get too inside baseball, but if like. <laughs> That the actor Bryce who plays him essentially is a regular on the show. You know he's on it all the time. Oh That's, yeah, yeah uh, totally. And we, you know, and it, he's uh, he's just such an astounding delight. Uh, if we're counting Vaughn as uh, recurring, uh, as yep. opposed to a, then he would be. I figure on the, and then maybe uh, 
Johnny Frost would have to be part of that. <laughs> you can't say no to that. I'm sure I'm forgetting piles of them. But like, uh, I, I, my, I, I love, I've always loved Kevin Marino's stuff. He cracks me up every time he's on there. That's, uh, he would be one I would think about. Then, of course, I mean, like, I, I don't want to, you know, obviously like hurt anybody's feelings or anything like that. There's, <laughs> but there's so many of them who've been, uh, oh, it's just I'd have to look at the bracket in front of us. That's right. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, yeah, I'd have to look at the thing. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, Lowell will have a lot of uh, supporters. Oh, yeah. Miners but, uh, on there. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, that's, uh, a lot of people well, are thinking Miners going to sw- sweep it. <laughs> yeah, right. Because no one's willing to vote against the dog. That's why it was so. That's why we had to do it. That's why we had no choice. That's uh, yeah. Because to me, it's it's interesting. Because Lowell is such an interesting figure in, ter- in terms of the fandom of this show. Because mm-hmm. really, he you know he landed like a like an atom bomb on yeah. uh, people, and that like and then if you look back, I want to say he was in like four episodes. Yeah. I know. Like, yeah, like that he was just, you know, he was there and he was gone. And my goodness, uh, Bradley James, the actor who played him, is just could not be more charming, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and just, uh, you know, and he got some really magnificent moments and a great send off. And, you know, and he I think that character was the beneficiary of our uh, in the first season. You get to have things happen for the first time, you know, like yeah. uh, that really you know, so it boosts it. But uh, so that certainly probably cemented his like uh, the show as a thing for life. And so he would you know be a. Uh, up there as well but man uh, it's hard to hard to veer away from uh don e for sheer amount of work a recurring character has done and uh that also bryce is also just the loveliest uh, guy and like interesting and fun and uh so i uh yes i i think that's probably so those are some of the ones that are inclined towards and to all i have forgotten all the fictional characters <laughs> out there that i've forgotten my deepest apologies uh, justin is right now getting creamed by oh. wally just so you know <laughs> Oh man! Well, but it's it's like the minor thing. It's like kids and animals. Like don't yeah. get against kids and animals. They're gonna just get clobbered. And before people just, I mean, Wally is a, a that a kid did a great job. Yeah. But let's not forget Justin doing the dance game with Liv and being so like that was so yeah. it, like the lawn darts with him. He had some very good moments. I I wouldn't dismiss him. Uh, uh, yeah. Somebody tweeted me today. He's like, no, there's no choice here. Wally didn't hold a gun on Liv. <laughs> That's so. right. That's it. I don't. I don't know if other people talk. That to me, that moment, that fi- that that awful moment of holding the gun on Liv. Uh, that it, it was to me. That was the uh, the sound of music moment. Just to bring it back to musical theater, you know, when uh, the the I think Hans or whatever the the Nazi boyfriend who sees mm-hmm. them sneaking out and is like, they're here. <laughs> yeah, so to me, that was that scene. <laughs> Well, uh, I definitely want to get you out of here, but I have to ask you, could you give us any sort of teases about next week's episode or even further into the future? Let's see. Let's see. Do I have anything fun that I can possibly talk about? Uh, I, this probably doesn't count. This probably sounds like a cop out, but that the, you know, live will I, be there. Live, live will be present. Uh, <laughs> as I said, Clive and Basia will both be dead five minutes into the episode. <laughs> Just Darn kidding. It. Not true. That's, uh, but that, uh, the I do feel like in a lot of ways that last week's episode with Liv assuming the mantle of Renegade draws very clear battle lines for what the rest of the season can be about. Mm-hmm. And uh, that if uh, that that sort of unfurling uh, and like the relationships, how that impacts her relationship with Major, how this you know potentially interesting new thing going on with Levon. And then over on the other side of things, the Blaine Angus, how is that going to fit into it? That that'll be a lot of, uh, you know, that those those central conflicts are, you know, the big structure for the season is now sort of right there in place. And it's more specific than that. Um, next week, I know the trailer's already out, so it's not a spoiler. She's on sort of a player brain, you know, one of those like awful pickup artist kind of guys. And uh, and just her wearing that like that hat is so just kills me. Uh, she was very funny. Jacket, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because I do think for a lot of fans, it's a real uh, Rorschach test when Liv plays the brain of somebody who's unpleasant in some way. Uh, oh, like yeah. some people, like I hate Liv right now when she's on this thing, and to other people, it's like it's so funny seeing Liv act like this. Yeah, you know, like uh, I think uh, you know earlier uh, this season when she was on the sort of dowager mean old lady brain and just like yelling at servants and being kind of, yeah, and being terrible to Clive was uh, like, I, I, I never get tired of it. (laughs) A lot of people feel differently, I think, and would prefer uh, that we just have her just a never ending stream, very friendly, kind people getting murdered. Cute in this way and cute in that way. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly. That's, I think you need the spice with the, with the sugar. (laughs) 
All right. Well, everybody, tune in live and watch Monday, April 16th at 9, 8 central in the CW. Uh, don't hate the player, hate the brain. And make sure to tweet <laughs> at the CW to hashtag renew iZombie. Uh, yeah. Keep tweeting that. And yeah. uh, thank you very much, Graham Norris, for uh, chatting with me again. It is an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for helping wave the banner for the show. We like know that you're doing it. We appreciate the heck out of it. And uh, we would like nothing more than to get to continue uh, telling this story. I think we've got, uh, there's plenty of good juice left in it. Yeah, it's completely selfish. I just want more. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> All, right. All right. Bye, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. Send your feedback to iZombiePodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search for iZombie Podcast, all one word. All of our contact info is on our website, iZombiePodcast.com. You can follow Steph on Twitter at Steph Smith. You can follow Robin as well at El Robin Yero. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at Behance.net slash Deanna Sheehan. Also, friend of the show Cheyenne contributes with Photoshops on our Twitter. Follow her at iZombieLove. Check out our other podcast. You can listen to us binge cast through teen dramas like Dawson's Creek and Popular. Just subscribe to We Don't Want to Wait on iTunes. You can also listen to us occasionally talk about the Buffy spinoff Angel with our friends. Subscribe to Redemption Cast on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, why not leave us a review? We do this in our spare time so your ratings and reviews are much appreciated and helps us get seen by more iZombie fans. And make sure it's on the correct feed. We are the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. And we're done. You think anyone is still listening? Probably not. Zombies! Zombies!